Welcome to Grace in Action, presented by Word of His Power Faith Christian Center, where lives are changed and people are blessed. Thanks for tuning in. Our pastors, Drs. Jay and Sarah J. Araman, preach a bold, faith-filled, life-altering, miracle-manifesting message. Prepare for a word that you can apply to your daily life, no matter what you're going through. And now it's time for this week's message from Dr. Jay Araman. Prayer is not just petitioning to God, even though in the religious term that is one meaning. Prayer is actually fellowshipping with God, and prayer is entering the presence of God, and then talking to Him, and He will respond based on your relationship. And that is why, if you read in Luke, the 11th chapter, the first verse, it says, when they saw him, when he finished praying, that is Jesus, his disciple asked him, asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. So that applies even today. The children of God, they need to learn to pray. For in Ephesians 6:18, through the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote, pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. So there are so many rules involved here. Prayer is a lot of people, most of the time if you notice, people go to pray when they are in trouble. That's the only time they go. But prayer ought not to be that way. You have to fellowship with God and commune with God, whether you are in difficulty or not in difficulty. Even when you are celebrating with all the blessing, you are still supposed to go and fellowship with God. And also, any time you go to God, you must have a strong purpose. And also, you must remember, God has promised, if you find the word, and based on that, if you approach Him, it is a matter of time. In His perfect time, He will manifest the answer. Many times when you pray certain prayers, it looks like you have not yet found the answer or it has not manifested. That doesn't mean God is delaying. God is refusing. That is because God has got a perfect time to give you. You may not be ready to receive that which He wants to give it to you. So there are rules concerning prayer. That is why you need to know what are the rules for each type of prayer. And one basic rule Jesus already said in John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is your Father glorified by you bearing much fruit. That means you must have a lifestyle where you can tell yourself and others that yes, I approached God and I had this, this, this given to me by God without asking men. And that comes through your walk with God, with Jesus Christ. So there are many types of prayer we have been uh, studying. Last week we saw about united prayer. Before that we saw prayer of worship. Then before that we saw 
prayer of consecration. You see, even though each type of prayer, category of prayer has got different rules, but if you keenly watch, most of the prayer, there are certain common things in each kind of prayer. And you may say, yeah, but I am learning all these kind of different kinds of prayer. When, when will I know what type of prayer to use? Because there is prayer of commitment, there is prayer of faith, there is praying in the spirit, there is intercession prayer, there is pleading your cause, several kinds. Which one I will pray? That, you don't have to worry about it because you are born again. The spirit of God is in you. Bible says in epistle of John 4, 4, Ye are of God, little children, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And again, John 14, Jesus said, The spirit of truth who abides in you will teach you all things. He will show you things to come. That means he knows what type of prayer you are supposed to pray. At that time, he will bring to your attention. So you don't have to scratch your head and say, Oh, which one I will pray. But it is important for you to know that there are each type of prayer with different rules. So tonight we are going to cover something called, it is one of the part of intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer, there are about five types of intercessory prayer. But the first one is called pleading your cause. You have got to know how to plead your cause with God. And you should for that, it is like, based on the scripture, you go and actually argue with God. Not like you fight with your friends and relatives, but this argument is based on legal terms with God. First and foremost, remember this. Our relationship with God is two, twofold. One is, legally, we are the children of God. Because he adopted us, he redeemed us, he saved us, everything he did. So legally he decided to make you his children. So even before you even knew Jesus Christ, as far as he is concerned, all the people of the world, he wants, to be, he wants them to become his children. So he sacrificed his son and then established a covenant through Jesus, that whoever will confess Jesus as their Lord, they become children of God. How do you know? Because Jesus himself said in Gospel of John, the 12th verse says, to everyone who believed in his name, he gave them power to become children of God. So, it's all by faith, people, you and I became children of God. Now, having established that, now, legally, once you are born again, once you have become the children of God, God will not, like, suddenly decide and say, okay, I'm going to disown you or divorce you and throw you out of my... It doesn't happen. You, he will not reject you at all. However, you have to keep a relationship with him vitally by reading his word and fellowshipping with him. So, one is a legal relationship, which is where your prayer life comes into effect. You may not even fully keep fellowship with God, and yet, if you know the word of God and approach him, legally he will have to answer, he will answer you, because that is legal relationship. But you will not be able to go to God with confidence because you have not fellowship with him. So, 
legally he will hear you people hesitate to go to god because morally they don't feel confident because they have failed him or put it in the biblical terms they might have sinned or not confessed their sin and you need to understand once you are born again in the eyes of god you and i are his children so in his eyes we have not done anything wrong at all that's how he sees us and yet if you don't know the word you are likely to sin you are likely to make mistake those things he he made a way he says you if you know what you have done is wrong for example the one major sin people easily commit is unforgiveness somebody because in the world we live in offenses for sure it is going to come why because of two reason one is satan is there he is the god of this world he is going to see to it that you are offended so that you will not grow in faith second because of words words book of james says we all offend through words sometime you know you will find i have met people who look like they are talking sweet words but the spirit behind it is so sarcastic even the sweet word goes like sour in your ear have you ever anybody has got experience like that people do that why because words offend people and the devil knows that through that also he can keep you from fellowshipping with god but when you know because you are a born again believer the truth is roman the first and second chapter says once you are born again believer even though some born again believers they don't even read their bible regularly still in their heart they know once they confess jesus as their lord in their heart they know if they miss it if they do something wrong their heart tells you did this wrong but they don't know how to get rid of that because if they don't go to a church where it is all taught so they will be living legally they are have a relationship with god as a child but morally they are lagging behind because they are they have sinned so the remedy is god said confess your sin bible says in 1 john 1:9 if you confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and once you do that god forgives you and forgets and also one of the reason if you see in the bible jesus is called the advocate how do you know epistle of john second chapter verse says for jesus the righteous one is our advocate is the propitiation not only for our sins but the sins of the world so one of the title given to jesus is advocate and the same title the meaning applies to holy spirit also advocate why were they called advocate because see they are involved in your prayer life because prayer is based on basically on legal terms your legal relationship and same way like in the marriage you know husband and wife may not be fellowshipping and talking if they may but still there are legally if the husband says something or wife asks something they may not be even talking to each other but as long as they they are married things goes on legally a lot of things are going on but there is no joy because they don't have fellowship it's the same case with god so tonight we are going to see the first portion of prayer of intercession which is called pleading your case the first example for that 
is go with me to Genesis the 18th chapter. It's called pleading your case. This prayer involves pleading with God like a lawyer or an advocate would plead with a judge. So here, after Abraham believed God in the 15th chapter, God made a covenant with Abraham. And in the 18th chapter, you find three angels, visitors came to Abraham and they were talking to him and they were telling what God is planning to do with Abraham's life. And after all that, from Genesis 18:17 onwards, we'll read. It says here, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? What applies to Abraham applies to you. Now God is asking, can I hide anything from Abraham which I am about to do? Abraham was called the friend of God. But you say, yeah, that was Abraham, it was nice. You know, Abraham was friend of God. But the Bible says in Galatians 3.13, you have the blessings of Abraham. And also Jesus said in John 15, he said, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you. I have ordained you. And ye are my friends if you do everything that I speak to you. So Jesus is calling you his friend. When, when you do what he says in his word. Same thing happened to Abraham because when God made Abraham, the Bible was just in the making. So Abraham was willing to do everything God spoke to him. If God told him, sacrifice your son, he was willing to do it. So Abraham was called friend of God. And the good news is you and I are friend of God. So as a friend, God is asking here, shall I hide from Abraham that which I am about to do? Same thing applies to you and me. God, our God, contrary to what religion says, our God is not a mysterious God. Our God wants to tell you concerning your life before he does or allows anything to happen. He wants to tell you. But people say, yeah, but... Nobody has ever told me anything. That is because that kind of telling comes when you fellowship with him. Two friends, when they walk together, they fellowship and each one talk to each other. So if people are not reading the Bible and fellowshipping, God wants to talk, but they are not in talking terms. So he's not able to convey to them. So God wants to tell, and here God is telling to Abraham, God is telling, shall I hide this from Abraham? Same thing Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, in John 14, he said, the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. Show you things to come about what? About the fight Israel is going to have with Iran? No, concerning your life. Come on. Concerning what to do next. Concerning your life, the Holy Spirit will show you. God won't hide anything from you. Our God is not a God who talks mysteriously. If you have been hearing that, eliminate from your mind. So further he says, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to, to the cry of it, which it come up upon 
which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence, and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Now watch this, the next few verses. Abraham draw near, drew near and said, Will thou also destroy the righteous with, with the wicked? Peradventure, there be fifty righteous within the city. Will thou also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein? That, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and the righteous should be as the wicked, and that that be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? See, Abraham is talking to God. See, he's, he's actually pleading, he's arguing with God. He's telling, hey, God, you are telling me you're going to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because that city, people are living in sin. God said before destroying, he said, I'm going to destroy. So Abraham is standing before God, drew near me as he went, even though he could not see God, it's a spiritual thing. He went to God and stuck talking to God, Hey God, will you destroy that city? Supposing what happens if there are 50 righteous people? Will you destroy the city for all the 50 because of the bad people, the 50 good people also? And then he asked God, he addresses God. This is called covenant talk. He addresses God, Hey God, are you not the judge of this world? As a judge, will you destroy these good people with bad people? See, with what audacity is talking. Then if you read further in the chapter, God says, no, if there are 50, I will not destroy. But Abraham realizes, maybe there are not 50 people. Then he says, what about 40? Then he says, what about 30? Then what about 20? Then Abraham comes in that process of arguing with God, what about 10? But the problem is, in that city, there could not, God could not find 10 righteous people, but Abraham made a mistake. He stopped after reaching 10, because he, he got, by repeating the same question, 40, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, then he thought, oh, I'm tiring God. So I will not bore him or tire him. So he stopped at 10. God said, if, if I find 10 righteous people, I will not destroy. But in Sodom and Gomorrah, the only four people who were righteous was Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. That makes only four. If Abraham has said, will you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there are four righteous people? Then Sodom and Gomorrah would not have been destroyed at all. And here is a thing. See, God by nature is not a destroyer. Death and God don't go together. Destruction and God don't go together. Then yet, he says, will you destroy? That means God's judgment, when it comes, then the devil takes over and he destroys because they have given place to the devil. God doesn't destroy, God rescues people. But Abraham, in his pleading his cause, he stopped at 10. He could have gone further, but he did not. And here is an example for us. You need to understand, you should not be like Abraham, even though you have the blessing of Abraham. God never gets tired. God is never bored. You should persist. That's why it says, 
with strong purpose and persistence. You cannot give up. You cannot say, oh, maybe God will not answer. Abraham did that mistake. That is recorded here. But the, see the style of Abraham. Why did he pray like that? Because if you read Genesis 15, 17, God made a covenant with him. And in that covenant, even though Abraham did not understand fully the terms of the covenant, Abraham knew that there is a covenant made with him. He did not understand what are the terms of the covenant, but that doesn't matter it's the same even today. You don't have to understand what are the terms of the covenant as long as you know that God made a covenant with you through the blood of Jesus Christ. You believe, as it says in Romans, the fifth chapter, we have faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, which makes us overcomers and conquerors. So you, as long as you believe that there is a covenant made between you and God through the blood of Jesus, that's all is enough. That should give you the same audacity to go to God and plead your case. Why should I do that? See, Abraham, when he did that, God knew down the road, his children, his faith-filled children should be taught. So God made a covenant. He said, he made a way for us to go and plead our cause, plead our case. Go with me to Isaiah 43. Remember, Abraham was doing that based purely on legal grounds. Abraham, he had just become a believer in the 15th chapter. In the 18th chapter, he talks to God like, like a lawyer. He's saying, you are the judge of this world. Will you destroy like that? He's talking. And Abraham did that because he knew under the covenant, legally, God will have to hear him and will answer him. And that is the same covenant knowledge throughout the Old Testament you find. People who had the knowledge of the covenant with God, they all prayed like that and God had to answer them. And these people, unlike you and me, none of them were born again. For example, Joshua, he knew he had a covenant with God. So, in the middle of the battle, he stopped the sun and the moon. He said, extended the day, I will finish the work. That's a paraphrase of what he did. And Elijah, because he knew about the covenant, God never asked him to fight for God, but he is fighting for God. He said, nobody is believing you, Lord, I am so grieved. And he brings down fire to consume the offering which he made. Same way, men, David's men, all the David's warriors, his captain, his general, everybody who fought for David. They were all, if you read the Bible, they all looked like supermen. The only reason was, through David and his lifestyle, they all knew that they have a covenant with this God. So, because of that covenant, anytime when they were in trouble, they prayed like same like Abraham prayed. God, will you do like this? Won't you deliver us? Don't, won't you do this? Like that, they were asking God. One example, you see in uh, Jehoshaphat, in 2 Chronicles 2020, uh, 20th chapter, last week we studied, Jehoshaphat said, God, we, you, you delivered us. You brought us from Egypt and you, we are your inheritance. Will you let your inheritance go? See, the way they talked was like pleading. They were arguing. And each one, they knew legally God will answer them. 
And yet you find David's men, even David himself, did he not commit sin? David committed adultery, he committed murder. And yet David ran to God and God always heard him. Does that mean that if you live in sin, still God will hear you? No. David, contrary to other people, every time he ran to God, he repented before God. God forgave him and he heard him. Same thing is available for you and me. Just because you fail doesn't mean God is going to shut you out. But you can repent. Lord, I did this. I'm wrong. You judge yourself. God will hear you. And supposing you have not yet repented. What happens is, if you are not repented, legally God is ready to hear you, but morally you are not having that clear conscience to reach him. That's why Jesus was sacrificed to remove condemnation from your life. When people who are not living morally right, that is why they feel condemned and guilty, so they don't approach God with confidence. Because if there is no confidence, then your faith is hindered, because you think you believe, but you are... You are at that moment, you are believing with your head, not from your heart. Are you all getting anything? Or This is how it works. So legally, God will always hear you. While you, if you are in trouble, say you committed sin. Because sometimes what happens, out of fear, people don't confess. They say, oh, I have confessed this many times. No use telling God, this is my weakness. What shall I do? Like that, they accept. No, you every time the same sin, even if you commit you go to God, get repent, get forgiven, repent, get forgiven, and then ask Him, Lord, strengthen me and deliver me from this, whatever you are doing. You cannot deliver yourself. That's why God sent Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Galatians, Jesus went to the cross to deliver you and me from the present evils of this world. So you cannot deliver yourself. So run to Jesus. So here, in Isaiah 43, see what God says. This is God told this. He said, 25th verse, I, even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance, let us plead together, declare thou that thou may be justified. Thy first father has sinned, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. So here God is making a covenant. He's telling, I even I am he that blotted out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. That means, even though he's talking to the people of Israel, God is telling, I am the Lord, I blot out that your transgression. Even though it is an Old Testament, New Testament, God already did it for you and me. He made Jesus who knew no sin on our behalf sin to make you righteous. That means your sins, even before you committed, they were all blotted out on the cross for you. And God says, I will not remember them no more. That means from the point of God's point of view, you are not a sinner. From God's point of view, you have done nothing wrong. Yeah, but you say, yeah, but I know I did this. I know I have still not forgiven somebody. I know I told a lie. I know I did something wrong. Yeah, that is because from your perspective, you have not confessed that sin. The moment you confess your sin, he forgives you and washes you, it says. 
cleanses you with the blood of Jesus. That means once your sin is washed away, God doesn't remember them. So why you want to remind him that you are not good enough, I am not worthy, oh this and that. Because once you confess, God forgives you and forgets it. But that is not based on this Old Testament verse. If you read in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, God said, I will make a new covenant with them. And under that new covenant, that is, he's talking about New Testament for you and me. When he makes the new covenant, he said, I, their sins, I will remember them no more. That means you and I, once you confess Jesus as your Lord, you are no longer a sinner. And yet, Christians born again, believing, tongue-talking, Bible reading, tape-hearing, DVD-watching, uh, iPad-carrying, still they sin because their mind is not renewed. And also, they are always trying to have a double life. When they are in the church, they are little spirit life, but outside they are carnally minded. Suddenly the devil will come and say, oh, they did this against you. They misunderstand. The very people who have great regard for you, you misunderstand and say things about them. And those things are the works of the devil, and that will keep you away from coming to God. Thank you for tuning in to Grace and Action, brought to you by Word of His Power Faith Christian Center. We hope you got something from this week's word that you can apply to your daily life. You can look us up on Facebook or find us online at wohp.org. But we'd love to meet you in person. Come see Grace in Action for yourself at 112-4053 Meadowbrook Drive in London, Ontario. We're worth the drive. Word of His Power Faith Christian Center, where lives are changed and people are blessed.